We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and today we are going to talk about the Notre Dame Blue Gold game. A lot to get to, so we're going to dive right in. So here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to go position by position, start offense, then go defense. And as we kind of go, if I see questions related to those positions, we'll certainly talk about it. I'm going to spend a lot more time on the offensive side because we're going to talk a lot about the quarterback because... Everybody seems to want to hit talk about the quarterback. So we're going to get a chance to um, get a chance to dive into that. So let's begin with the Notre Dame offense. And it was not a was not a great offensive day from a production standpoint in a lot of ways. But I, I liked what I saw from the offense today in, in everywhere except the line play. And let me explain why. <clears throat> To begin, I thought that we saw a lot of pass concepts that I was happy about. We saw flood concept. We saw some mesh. We saw some horizontal stretch, vertical stretch. We saw them using the running backs effectively out of the backfield. The play where they got uh, Chris Tyree open for an 18-yard gain, I really liked. It was basically a smash, an inverted smash concept. What that means is smash is essentially, to, to cheapen it, they run a smash route, which is essentially either like a hitch or some sort of like short route underneath by the outside guy, and then the inside guy runs a, a corner route, which is like you know, 10, 12 yards, depending on how you teach it, sometimes 15. And then you break off at a 45-degree angle outside if you don't know what a corner route is. Well, an inverted smash is essentially the outside guy works in, up, and then outside, so he runs the corner route from the outside, and then you get some kind of outcut by your inside guy. Well, Notre Dame sort of stacked it. They used Chris Tyree. They went empty. 
got Chris Tyree stacked behind Jordan Johnson. Jordan Johnson ran a corner route, cleared the defense out. Jack Cohn dumped it off to Chris, or uh, was it Jack Cohn or was it Drew Pine? I forget which guy. Chris, it was Drew Pine. Drew Pine dumps it off to him quickly, and Chris Tyree runs up for 18 yards. Really well schemed play. Uh, they did a lot of that stuff uh, where they were using the backs. There was a third down play where Kyron Williams ran on a swing route, which is essentially going empty from um, a back in the backfield. So there's going empty, which is just everybody's out before the snap, which is what happened on the, the pass to Chris Tyree. And then there's going empty when you're in a situation where uh, you have the back in the backfield and at the, at the snap, he runs a free release. So you end up with five blockers because you don't have any skill guys blocking. So they, they went and said um, – they went and ran it, and uh, they ran a third down play. I think it was a third down play, and Kyron Williams just runs a, a, an immediate swing route. Jack Cohn hits him immediately, and then Kyron just got Bo Bauer in space, and, and we all know who's going to win that battle. So saw a lot from the running backs today in the past game, which I liked. Didn't attack outside a ton, which understandable because uh, – or at least to the outside receivers because there was a lot of pressure coming today, but – I, I thought that there was a lot of unique s- concepts. I thought that there was a lot of RPOs. They didn't throw a lot of RPOs, but there were several good number of RPOs that were run today. Um, and, and of course, that's going to continue to be more and more a part of the offense. So I, I liked what I saw schematically. I think it was a it definitely had a different look to it than we saw last year. A lot of mixed up personnel groupings. Uh, mix uh, both teams really did a lot of that, and, and I and I liked what I saw from the offense in that regards. So let's, uh, let's, um, so let's uh, get into the quarterback play. So Tommy Leonard jumped in here quick. Let the TB 12, he should be day one starter train, get rolling. Let's not let that train get rolling. Uh, Let's, let's jump into quarterback play and let's begin with Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn went 18 to 32 for 197 yards in the game, had a really bad pick uh, where he just kind of locked in on Kyron Williams and, and threw a pick. It was a really nice play by Shane Simon, but that ball never needs, shouldn't have come out. But overall, I actually liked what I saw from Jack Cohn. I, I thought he was surprisingly uh, good with his timing, considering how in free, how just new he still is with these these players and these these uh, Notre Dame pass catchers. And you remember last fall when Brian Kelly was talking about how you know, it was going to take Ian Book some time to get rolling with the receivers because they hadn't done a lot together, even though they'd been on the same team for a while. It, well, that you know we're now in a situation where Jack Cohn's had 14 practices with these guys. And so I thought he should look to be on the same page with a lot of them, especially with Avery Davis. I thought him and Avery Davis – we're on the same page. He went 18 to 32. I think he had him down for four drops in the game. His receivers dropped four balls. There was another play where he was called for a sack that I think he would have stepped out of that and got the ball out. So I thought he played good football, attacked the down the field effectively. Not a ton of bombs, but really well nice, well placed go route on the first play of the game. Joe Wilkins made a great catch on it uh, over top of Cam Hart. It was actually in good position. Did a nice job getting out of the pocket. He they were running a um, a post wheel, so the outside receiver ran a post route, and then Avery Davis was running a wheel on a bootleg. and And Avery did a really nice job of, of seeing that the corner had just kind of taken off to get over top of the wheel. So Avery just kind of curled up about twenty some yards downfield, and and Jack Cone hit him. So that I, I I liked seeing that. I thought that was impressive. Made a great read on a on a backside seam route, and and I'm going to walk through this because I thought I thought. 
all the quarterbacks did did a really nice job of working through progressions today when they had the time. And, and I'm going to show a couple plays today. Again, they didn't often have time, but when they had time, I thought they did a really nice job. And I want to show a play here from today's game. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to see if it looks like this file is not working. That's a bummer. going to try to share this again. All right. Looks like it's not letting me uh, to share that. So I'm going to try to figure out if I can change the uh, change the uh, the code on it. But essentially what I what I liked about Jack Cohn was what you saw from him today was a guy that was what I had hoped he would be, which is a guy that's willing to go through progressions, read the plays out, not lock in onto a specific re re receiver and just take what the defense is going to give them. And those are things that you want to see from a, from a quarterback. So I, I really liked what I saw from him. I, I thought he did a nice job of reading through, uh, re just reading through the different concepts and reading through what they were seeing. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing you want to see from your quarterback. So, I mean, it's just, it's a situation where the, the throw that the play that I was trying to get to, and for whatever reason, uh, StreamYard is not allowing me to, to share videos right now for some reason. I, I don't really like that. Actually, let me just try to do it this way. So I'm going to get it over here. Just give me one second, folks. I apologize. StreamYard is being a little difficult with me, but I'm going to go about it a different way. We're going to make it happen, right? We're going to make it happen today because I really want to show these pass plays because it really does show, um, you know, what I, what I liked from, from an example from Jack Cohn. So just give me one second. We're going to do it a little different way. We're going to still get to it. So this is a play early in the game on a throw to George Takis. So can everybody see this? Can I get some acknowledgement that you all see this down here? Can everybody see the, the plays that's showing up for you? Okay, so let's go through this. So here's what, here's what you got here, okay? So if you look at the play, this is an empty formation. So when I refer to empty, this is what you're saying. That means the, the, the backfield has been emptied of any skill players. So you have three receivers up to the top, including the tight end. You have a running back to the bottom, and you have – so down over here, if you can see it, my mouse is kind of small. But to the right, you can see this is the running back, and this is an outside receiver. So Notre Dame is running a four verticals concept, okay? And so we're going we're gonna to do a little football 101 here. So even though it is considered a four verticals concept, it is considered a horizontal stretch, okay? Because they're, they're uh, attacking the defense. The, the read is actually – going left to right, right to left type of thing, okay? So that's what a horizontal stretch is, even though the plays are actually technically considered four verts, okay? And so then obviously you see the running back down here. He is going to run a quick out cut. So at the snap, the quarterback, Jack Cohn, decides he's going to read the backside safety, which I think was the correct read. When you look to the top of the screen, you've got a corner who's got his hips turned. He's clearly going to open up and run. You got a safety playing off, and then you have two linebackers over here that are cheating towards that. So really, the defense has you outnumbered three to four on that side. Over here, it's three to two, but you can see the leverage. The corner's playing up, so you feel like the corner's going to squat. So you, you you look and say, okay, now this safety, you have a chance to isolate this safety on, on your seam route. So what you have is you have George Takis up here is going to work a backside seam. So essentially, you're going you're gonna to isolate that safety and attack him with your vertical route and your backside seam. Does that make sense to everybody so far? So here's what I like about Cone. So at the snap, you watch Jack Cone. He gets his eyes immediately to the right of the defense. And you can see it. He's looking down there. He sees the cornerback squatting. And so he carries out his read, and then he sees the safety bailing. And so he comes right back to that seam. Now, this is what I call you know, throwing blind. 
All right. And, and you're going to see it here from the other angle, what I'm talking about. This is a nice ball to George Takis for, for positive yards. So actually, oh, it looks like I didn't have it. But what you see from it here is he doesn't necessarily find George Takis. He knows that George Takis is coming on that backside seam. You see the safety bailing. He comes right back. And as soon as he plants his foot, he bangs that seam throw really well timed. If he waits any longer, then that safety back there is going to be able to close on that ball. But because he throws at times, it's great timing, great read, bam, bangs it, and it's like a 32-yard gain, I believe, is what they got. So I really like that read from Jack Cohn. I thought he did a really nice job in this game of, of keeping his eyes down the field and going through his progressions. I thought all the quarterbacks did a pretty good job of that when you consider how much pressure that they had during the game. And and that, that made things a little bit difficult. But but I really liked some of the concepts that they that they ran and how the quarterbacks handled it. And I'm going to go through another progression or another play here to just kind of show what I'm talking about in regards to the timing that I thought Jack Cohn really did. And I thought he did a really nice job here of, of just going through his progressions and getting the ball out on time and then also keeping his eyes downfield. So watch this, this particular play. This is called – this is a flood concept. All right, so Notre Dame is in a three-by-one formation, three to the right, one to the left, but you can see that the tight end here is attached, but it still counts as a three-by-one. And they're going to run a flood concept. So what a flood concept in is that is that they're going to uh, flood one zone. So they're going to run a vertical route here with the outside receiver, a deep out cut with the slot receiver, it's Avery Davis, and then a quicker route here. Okay, that's called a flood. So they're flooding that zone. This is a vertical stretch because they're going to read it top to bottom. Does that make sense? Everybody get that? So that's the difference between a horizontal and a vertical stretch. So they're running a flood concept here. And this is a this is an, a, an old school concept. I mean, they're running this for a while. But first of all, watch Jack Cohn as he steps into the pocket. He's making his read and he he sees pressure. You've got a cornerback fire which Blake Fisher does a really nice job of picking up. Watch the left tackle, see this cornerback fire and step out to pick it up. That's a really nice job, lumbering a little bit, but really nice pickup. You see Andrew Kristoffic turns his feet, turns his hips open and lets that guy come through, which is not good, but he does a nice job of staying engaged, staying on him, which then allows, and Zeke Carell anchors really well here up the middle. So that allows Jack Cohn to step into the pocket. So, But watch his eyes. He does not take his eyes off the read the entire time, so he's able to look. So what happens is the corner bails and the safety drops. So what he's going to get his eyes is on the underneath coverage, okay? So you see this here. The linebackers both stay here on this route. They're both eyeing him. That corner's got his hips, his hips turned, and he's opening and running. The safety's deep. So he knows right now, I've got to get that ball out over top of that. And he does it. He does a nice job. And look how he steps in and his suit. Look, watch. He's throwing the ball as Avery Davis is making his break. Look, Avery Davis isn't looking at him and the ball's coming out. This is a great read, great timing, just an excellent ball uh, by, by Jack Cohn. So uh, I, I'm going to hold on a second. We're going we're gonna to get this guy. We're going to get this guy out of here so we can uh, have grown up time. So you're out of here. Okay, so we're uh, we're, we're going to get back to talking football here. So this is a really nice play from Jack Conan. We saw several plays like this during the game. I was really pleased to see that. We even saw some of that from, from Drew Pine, and, and we saw some of it from Tyler Buckner, which we're going to get to. So I, I, I think that he made some mistakes. The, the pick was obviously a mistake. 
there wasn't a lot of time to throw. I thought he maneuvered in the pocket really well. Uh, I thought he did a, a really good job of, of carrying out his fakes uh, and just a lot of things like that. So I was impressed by him. I thought Drew Pine was a little bit more erratic today. I thought there were some moments where Drew looked really good, got the ball up quickly, had a really nice read on a fourth down, saw the blitz, dumped it over top. Uh, did a great job late in the first half of, again, climbing the pocket and banging that seam route to uh, Lawrence Keys for a big game. But then the next two throws, he rushes, and he doesn't really give his receivers a chance to make plays. So I really felt like Drew was just really inconsistent with his footwork. I think the pressure got to him more, and that's to be expected. Like, look, Drew Pine has, what, one career pass attempt? Jack Cohn has played in the Rose Bowl, a Big Ten championship. He's a, a, a fifth-year senior. So you can expect Jack Cohn to be able to handle that kind of pressure a little bit better than Drew did. Uh, so I, I thought that, but he did some nice things. I think that there were times when he didn't get the ball downfield as effectively as he needed to. Uh, he didn't really step into his throws. I think the wind hurt him a little bit. He had a chance for a really nice seam throw to, to Lawrence Keys that he underthrew, and, and Caleb Farley made a really nice play on it. But there were some other times when he he made some some good throws. So, but he was just he was really up and down for me. And he's going to have to continue to get better. Um, so I, I thought that was a thing. And then Tyler Buckner, you know, let's let's have the the con, the, the conversation about Tyler Buckner. Uh, Tyler Buckner looked like at times a true freshman that still hasn't played a lot of football in, in a long time. Then there was other times where Tyler Fresh Buckner looked like the five star upside guy that we've talked about. Um, there was his first series looked pretty rough. It looked like a true freshman playing football for the first time in two years. I mean, if we're being honest, that's what it looked like that first time he made the the, the read. He uh, missed a, a throw badly, was off target with the throw, um, but he he played tough and he hung in there. And I and I thought, you know, you look at the first two balls that he that he threw. I I, I was really impressed by him. You know, you're sitting there thinking like this kid is this kid's a true freshman. He hasn't played football in almost two years, and all of a sudden, uh, he goes out there and just makes a couple really great throws. But again, I, I really liked the timing and anticipation and that the quarterbacks played with. And and here's an example of what I'm talking about here uh, of Tyler Buckner. And, and look, the fact that I saw this from so many different quarterbacks was was a really encouraging thing for me because you can tell that this has been an, a, a very important part of what Coach Reese has been working on with the quarterbacks, which is getting the ball out quickly, getting it out on time, running a lot of different concepts that are allowing them to make sort of reads in the same zone so they're not making full field reads. It's, it's bang the outside or come back to the seam or hit the check down or run a flood concept. So let's look at this throw by Tyler Buckner. Actually, let me get it in a different form because it's going to be a little bit um, – a little bit uh, more difficult for you guys to for me to walk, talk you through this route. So let's kind of get through it over here. I'm going to pull it up in the different format to share, so that way you can see my mouse a little bit. Okay. All right. So here we go. This is Tyler Buckner's first couple throws, and and I and I want you to see why I like these throws so much. So first of all, this is another example of the inverted inverted smash concept. So you're going to see Mitchell Evans, freshman tight end, had a really nice day today I thought you're going to see him he's isolated backside this is an example of what I talked about as far as we saw some different looks we see the tight end basically playing W and you see all three receivers over here so they're going to run an isolation concept backside here uh, on this flat defender and so you you see it is this is again a cover two looking at the boundary so you see now look at that again this is a basically an inverted smash type of concept it's a little bit different 
but it's a similar similar concept. It's a high-low concept. This is a vertical stretch, so they're going to stretch the defense vertically. And so Buckner reads this perfectly. He So watch this corner out. So as soon as that corner stops his feet, then he's going to have a hard time immediately getting up underneath this outcut. The only way that that corner can make this play is if Tyler Buckner holds on to the ball too long. But if you watch it, so look, Mitchell Evans, look at this. When Tyler Buckner starts to throw, Mitchell Evans has not got out of his break yet. He's still, he's just now getting into his break. But Tyler Buckner lets the ball go. He throws him open. See, he doesn't throw a rope. He puts a he puts not some touch on it. It's got some velocity, but some touch on it. The guy turns around, perfect placement for a 20-yard gain. This is a tremendous read. And it may not seem like much to you, but I think this is a great concept because the timing of it is awesome. And this is what I often talked about in the past that we just didn't see Notre Dame quarterbacks doing. This is a really good read. And we saw all three of the quarterbacks do that today. And I was really impressed by what we saw. And then this this is the very next play. I want you to watch this this read he goes through on the next play to to hit the scene. So now Notre Dame is in a two-by-two. So they have two receivers to the right. As you can see here, Mitchell Evans is here in the tight end, and then you've got an X outside, Okay. And then you watch this concept. So Notre Dame is, is they just they just did an a, essentially a, a horizontal stretch, or excuse me, a vertical stretch in the previous play. Now they're doing a horizontal stretch. Okay. So you watch Tyler Buckner. He goes through his read. He's reading backside. This is the same thing that we saw earlier. R- remember when we saw Jack Cohn, fifth year senior, make this read? So they're running essentially sort of a four verts here and a high-low concept here. He gets his eyes backside. And then immediately comes back inside to, to Lawrence Keys. And this is actually the play where I where I have where I have the, the wide copy. So you can see this. So watch this. He 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 see this is what this why this shows is look, you as a quarterback have to know where everybody's supposed to be. You have to know if I'm reading here, I know that Lawrence Keys is going to be working over here because you have to be able to just turn and throw and watch this. So he gets his eyes left, sees it's not there, immediately comes back and just bangs that seam. If he if he comes back and waits another step to find Lawrence Keys even more, then Houston Griffith is closing on this play. And the other thing I like about it, and we'll show it from the other angle, is he doesn't lead him. This is actually really good ball placement. So this is what I talk about, how there's a different accuracy is not always just about completing a pass. If he hits Lawrence Keys on stride here, he's getting drilled by Houston Griffith. Okay. He's just going to run him right into it, but you can see he puts it right on him in that hole and gets him and gets him open. So I think that that is the kind of read that we saw a lot of today. And we didn't just see it from Tyler Buckner. We saw it from all the quarterbacks. So I was very encouraged to see that it's obvious that it was a point of contention, but it also shows me that they're, however it's being taught, maybe they're processing it differently. They're doing a really good job of to Coach Reese is doing a really good job of getting these guys to all understand what we're trying to accomplish here. So that's what I saw from the quarterbacks. Let me see if you all have any questions about quarterbacks before I move on to something else. Brandon, I'm assuming you're talking about Re, uh, Buckner there. He definitely has a stronger arm. It just doesn't always look. He he still has to learn to to use it correctly. We saw that on the ball he underthrew to Braden Lindsey. It was barely a 40-yard throw, and he underthrew it. Against a non-walk-on, that might get picked off. So there's obviously still room for him to improve. But uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. So let's see if I have any, um, any other quarterback questions before we move on with the next position group. Yeah, this is kind of what I was talking about, Joe. The deep throw to Lindsay, if it's not a walk-on, that ball might get picked off or at least batted down. But that's part of the learning process. You know, that that's something he's gonna have to learn. I like the fact he took the fact he took the chance. Now it's like, okay, here's here's what you got to do. Here's how you got to coach him up. Um so Brandon says it looks to me like Cohen may have solidified his status as starting QB for the season. I would imagine that was kind of already gonna happen, but I, I again there's still a battle. What I what I um what I thought, and then Jay talks about Tyler Buckner's burst. He's what I liked about it is what we've talked about. Vince and I have talked about really all all spring and off season is the the ideal scenario. And with all due respect to Drew Pine, who y'all know we both like a lot, the ideal scenario is that either Cone or Pine win the job. Ideally, Cone because of his experience, but that Buckner plays so well that they have to get him on the field some way somehow. And and I think the fact of what we saw sat today. The fact that they put him in the blue jersey, he had the whole second half. Drew Pine, I don't think played at all in the second half. Maybe a series, I can't remember. I think he just, I think Buckner played the whole second half uh, for for the blue team. Tells me that he showed them enough to say we've got to figure out a way to get this guy in the game, and we've got to get, a, we have to have a chance to have him um, to step up and play. Uh, and Four Horsemen says it was so nice seeing a QB attack the middle of the field. It, it really was, and we saw it. All three quarterbacks did it. All three quarterbacks made plays over the middle in this game, which is big time. And not, not over the middle, like between the hash and the numbers, which like pro football focus counts as the middle that, that for, for them, when they do like um, uh, it, they do it, it's like, it's like. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed inside the numbers is considered the middle of the field and then outside the numbers is outside to me middle of the field is more like you know three to four yards outside the hash to inside and we saw quarterbacks attacking that zone a lot on short throws intermediate throws and deep throws so that was very nice and again when you see all three quarterbacks doing something then you have you you know that it's something that's being inf- emphasized by the coaches uh and and to me that is that is that is really what I like to see. I was very encouraged, very encouraged by that. So let's see if we have any other more quarterback questions or comments before we jo- uh, jump up to other positions. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. 
Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So here we go. So let's go to running back. Just briefly talk about running back because the running backs were not really given a lot of room to work today. I thought Kyron Williams had a solid game. I, you know, I don't care much about what Kyron Williams does in the spring game. I liked what I saw from Chris Tyree today. I thought he was very decisive. He ran with authority. He made quick, quick decisions uh, and really maximized yards that really weren't there. He had two really nice vertical cuts. And the bounce that he ran for 16 yards was a nice play, but there were two vertical cuts he made that were even better. One was he was running right, saw just hit the back cut, came all the way behind the, the center on the run. He had another I think, eight or nine yard run near the red in the red zone where he just made a real nice cut, made a guy miss and cut back inside and maximize his yards. He had a great blitz pickup in the game too that, that resulted in the quarterback being able to step up and get a ball off. So I thought he improved there. And there's one time he got ran over, but he took the guy out. I mean, he got ran over, but he took the guy out. And then, of course, he was active in the pass game. So really good performance from Chris Tyree. I love the fact that they were using him and Kyron so much in the pass game. I think getting those two guys on the field together, you talk about get your best guys on the field. If you can't figure out ways to get those two guys on the field together, then you're going to have a hard time saying you've got your five best guys on the field at any point in time in the game. So I really liked what I saw from them. Let's talk receivers. I thought that Avery Davis, we showed the the nice flood route from Avery Davis. He did a really nice job on a post wheel where Jack Cohn was rolling out and he saw the corner was climbed high. So he just curled up 20 yards downfield, got open, worked himself open, uh, did a nice job on an outcut on a flood concept. I, I thought he did a really nice job. Um, making plays on the ball. I thought Avery played well. He had, I think, five catches for 84 yards. I thought Lawrence Keyes was excellent in the game. He made plays down the field, worked the seams, worked the outside, had chances for a couple other plays if the quarterbacks would have been more accurate getting the football. Now, he had five catches for 115 yards, had two catches for, I think, 53 yards in the first half, including that 41-yard gain. First catch was a real nice 12-yard gain to convert a third down. Uh, saw that it was zone, just found that soft spot, that sweet spot in the zone, made the catch, turned up field, got 12 yards easy, uh, took a crossing route, split the defense, got up for for over 20 yards. I thought Lawrence played really, really well. That was good to see. And, and like I said, had a couple other chances to, to get balls. Somebody down here said that they um, – Caleb Collins, I think it was, said that he thought that they forced keys the ball too much. I, I didn't see that. I, I just think that's part of the – that was part of the uh, the route package, and they just that, – that's I mean, look, a couple times that the balls thrown to him were broken up. They If they get that ball over top, he's got a chance to make a play. I actually liked uh, what I saw from him, but uh, I thought he played really, really well today. Well, Joe Wilkins made a great catch on the first play of the game, and after that I thought he struggled. And it was I thought he struggled in two ways. Number one, I think he had at least two drops, maybe three, on balls where it just, just – lack of concentration and and we've seen that we've seen drops from him in the past i mean people talk about Braden Lindsay's hands but we've seen joe drop some some balls he, he needs to catch i think of the the deep ball against syracuse last year uh, but he makes that great catch against cam hart and then the next time he gets a little hitch route and it should be an easy throw and he starts trying to run before he catches the ball and he drops it 
Um, that was obviously a mistake, but he, he had real trouble separating today. And, and I thought the freshman corners did a pretty good job of him. They tried to go to him on a deep ball, but Ryan's Barnes, Ryan Barnes basically wrote him out of bounds. Uh, I thought, I thought the freshman corners played pretty well today. I thought Caleb Offord played pretty well today as well. Um, also, but, uh, I thought Joe Wilkins had a tough time today. We saw very little of, of, of Xavier Watts. I thought L Lorenzo Styles showed me good quickness. Uh, did a nice job getting open, but uh, on on against man, but against zone, he he's tried to work too far inside. Cone through the ball outside where should have gone, but but Lawrence was or Lorenzo was trying to work inside. Just one of those freshman mistakes that, that he'll he'll learn from. One of the things that I saw, I thought uh, Jordan Johnson. We saw him hardly. They they never looked at him. I mean, the, the blue quarterbacks just never looked at him. He had a couple nice routes where he could have got the ball, a couple stop routes. I thought he blocked real well, had a real nice block on one of those tight end screens uh, where he came in and, and blocked. He had a nice block on one of Kyron Williams' runs, so I thought he blocked relatively well. A couple plays here and there where he he lost guys, but I thought for the most part he blocked pretty well. Uh, had a solid performance, just didn't get targeted. An issue that I had today with the receivers was um, I thought there were times – when as a group too many times actually not just every now and then but too many times where their first four or five steps are not flying off the ball and, and there were there were too many times and the quarterbacks would have liked to have gotten the ball out quickly but they couldn't because the receivers were still getting it like just still getting into their stem the stem is essentially the part of the route that gets you to the top so when when i showed that corner out earlier the stem is to the point of where he then plants. That's his top end, and then his release is what he does out of the top end. Those are basically the three parts of a route uh, to make it simplified. But their stems is just that vertical release, whatever the angle they're going on. I thought their stems were a little slow, and not because they are slow, but they were they were like it's like they were trying to read the defense. They're going to have to improve on that and come off with a lot more speed, especially with the kind of routes that they were running today. If you're going to run vertical routes and vertical concepts and horizontal stretches across the field, you have to fly off the ball. You have to fly off the ball. So as a group, that's something I want to see them uh, perform a lot better on. Here's an interesting comment about uh, all right, Josh Nip says Lindsay looked really good. I was happy to see that there were uh, more than one target in the that there was more than one target in the passing game. You know, I don't really. I don't put much – I wasn't too fired up about Lindsey's big play at the end because of who he's going against. But the biggest thing for me for Lindsey was I, he was doing some of the dirty work early in the game when he was going against the first team, you know, catching hitch routes, trying to make plays after the catch, doing some decent blocking, and he's healthy. That's the big thing for me. I, I said – look, we, Vince and I said this at the beginning. With Braden Lindsey, we know what he can do. It's just can he be healthy. And he was healthy. He looked, he looked good. His Where Braden Lindsey has to work, however – is he still has to get better at getting off the line against aggressive coverage. A team's going to watch him and play and say, hey, look, we're going to just come up and be physical with him because he doesn't always handle that physical uh, play at the line of scrimmage all that well. He's got to do a better job of using his quickness at the line uh, to get off the ball. But overall, I thought he did good. He caught the ball clean. He, he ran relatively good routes. He still can get a little bit sharper with his top ends, but – I thought Braden Lindsay played pretty well. So again, overall, I was pleased with the play of the receivers. I thought that they are, there was times they weren't getting open. There were times they were getting open, but I thought it was a good battle with the DBs. And, and you know, somebody made a comment about how, uh, let's see here. Um, there's a good comment up here about the receivers getting open. 
and that's just one of the that's one of the it, it, I want to address it here real quick. Let's see here. You guys have made had a lot of questions and comments. I appreciate that, but now I'm trying to find that one that I was looking for. Okay, here we go. DJ Wilson says, um, Brian, was it the receivers, the scheme, or a combination? I'm not used to seeing wide open receivers in a Notre Dame offense. Okay, a couple things. Number one, I thought NBC did a much better job with their camera angle, so you saw more of the vertical releases. I think we saw things like that at times last year, but number one, when you have faster receivers on the field, they're going to have a better capability of getting open. The concepts and the schemes that I talked about earlier, the, the, the combination of mixing up the horizontal stretches with some mesh concepts, but then also the vertical stretches, the backs, there was a lot more empty in this game. Uh, what, what that does is, well, I wrote an article about a month ago where I talked about one of the problems for the Notre Dame offense was they were such a 12 and 13 per heavy personnel, which is 12 is two tight ends, 13 is three tight ends. But they didn't run Tommy Tremble and Braden Lin or uh, Brock Wright out on routes enough. And then when you add into the fact that they they didn't release their running backs a whole lot, it can make it problematic because now you've got a lot of two and three man routes instead of having five receivers going out in routes, and that can be problematic because that's fewer guys for defenders to 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 cover. So when you're running a deeper route, for example. And, you know, you get your depth and, and you work your route and you think you're going to get open. But then all of a sudden, because there's no underneath route, there's no running back running across, there's no there's no fourth receiver, then those backers just drop underneath your route. And it doesn't look like guys are getting separation and guys are getting open. But today you had so many five man combinations that now those underneath cover guys, those middle of the field, the zone droppers, the guys that have to take crossers, they were having to come up and respect the crossers, respect the running back routes, respect those intermediate routes, which then opened up those zones behind them. And then when the quarterbacks were willing to actually make those throws, look, I'm telling you, the throws we saw over the middle of the field today, those throws were there last year at times. You just have to be willing to take those, take those opportunities. And today, the quarterbacks were willing to do that. Now, it's one thing to do it in a spring game. It's another thing to do it when you get out in, into the fall. So we're going to have to see if they can continue to do that. But, you know, DJ, that was a very good observation. And I think the, the part of it was that you have faster receivers on the field, let's be honest. But the other part of that is I think the the, the concepts of, of having more than four and five-man route combinations is something that is going gonna, is gonna to continue to open up more openings because it puts more of a stress on defenses, especially defenses that are blitzing tight end wise. We'll, we'll just be brief. We didn't see any Michael Merritt today, which I'm fine with. We already know what he can do. I was pleasantly surprised with Mitchell Evans uh, needs a lot of work in blocking. That is for sure. Just, he's got to get stronger. So does Cam wrong. They gave good effort, but they just, you know, th those are guys that, that have to continue filling out and, and growing into their bodies and, and adding some, you know, some college grown man strength. They're going to need work there. But uh, I, I was really impressed with his athleticism, Mitchell Evans' athleticism. And, and we saw it on that that uh, the drag route that he caught from Jack Cohn and went for 32 yards. Uh, did a really nice job. He has to hustle on that play. And he has to really hustle to get across the field. And, and, he, and Jack Cohn was booting out, which I really like their usage of bootlegs today. I thought they did a nice job of getting the quarterback out of the pocket. And with an offensive line that's going to struggle in the fall at times, uh, hopefully not as bad as they struggled today, but when you have that kind of group that's going to struggle a little bit, you need to be able to, to move your pocket more. And I, and I think that we're, we saw Coach Reese moving the pocket a lot more today than we've seen 
than we saw in the fall. Will that carry over into the 2021 fall? We'll see. But I thought they did a nice job of that. But as a quarterback, you have to be able to get that guy in your line of sight. He doesn't have to be even with you. But as you're looking out this way, you need to be able to see that that same color jersey in your line of sight. Because if you don't, you're not going to go back to him. You're just going to tuck it and run or throw it away. And so I thought Mitchell did a great job of hustling across. He got in Jack Cohn's line of sight. And as soon as Jack saw him in his line of sight, he immediately went to him and hit him over the middle and, and picked up a nice gain. George Takis had that nice scene throw that we catch that we saw earlier. Uh, he had a drop that he, that that he just he couldn't have made, but I thought he played well. Kane Barong had a couple catches. I thought he played well. So I was impressed with the tight ends. They're young. Uh, they need work, but I I thought they both looked good, and they didn't look you know they didn't look like freshmen that were afraid to go out there and compete. Even when they got beat in the run game, they both battled. And I really liked what I saw from those guys. So I was very impressed with the tight ends. Now, uh, here we go. J John A1, Mitchell Evans is huge, moved better than I thought he would. I agree. I mean, I thought he's a decent athlete in high school, but I didn't think he was going to show that ability to just rip across the field like that, John. I thought I was impressed uh, impressed by what I saw from, from Mitchell Evans today. And as, as you all know, I had him pretty low in my recruiting ranking. So I was very happy, uh, very happy to see him uh, – to get across that way. It was encouraging to see. So uh, four horsemen to comment about Avery Davis. I agree. I, I, I thought several receivers looked good, but those two to me stood out more than anybody. Offensive line. Whew. Okay. I'm not, I'm not concerned that they got beat today a, a, a lot because we expected that. I think we all expected that. You had a group, the five men on both sides of the ball had not really played together. You had, you had Rocco on the blue team, Blake on the, the you know, Blake Fisher on the, the gold team. You had Tosh on the, on the, um, the blue team and Josh Lug on the white. I mean, it just, they were some mixing and matching. So I expected there to be some miscommunications and they had a lot of issues with twists and stunts today. And the defense really ran pretty basic stuff. They just basically they were they were eating up gaps and just attacking with gaps. And then the only really stunts we saw was just, you know, the TE stunt. So the tackle goes out and the the end loops in. I mean, those were basic stunts and they had trouble picking it up for a lot of the game as you know at certain spots. And that's that's concerning. I saw a lot of footwork problems today. I saw a lot of catching in the run game today. So it looked a lot more like the 2019, 2018 offensive line. Uh, the pre-Chris Watt offensive line, which is concerning for me. I'm not going to overreact to it too much because it's still early. I mean, these guys are still developing. It's young players. But it was concerning to see the line kind of revert back to the way they were. And they're just – there was – we'll kind of get to some individual players, but to me I just saw too much of the linemen kind of opening their hips. And once you open your hips, you're done. And, and it wasn't just one or two guys. It was a lot of them. And, and that that was problematic. I actually thought the two freshmen did the least amount of that, which is even more concerning because it tells me that if the veterans are doing that, then it's something that they're either being taught to do or something they're not being taught enough to not do. And so that's something that Coach Quinn and, and his new, J or, new GA are going to have to to spend a lot of time watching film today uh, and figure out how they're going to get that fixed because that needs to get corrected. They're just, you know, the thing about the offensive line today was it wasn't, there weren't a lot of plays where just three or four guys got beat. It was always like one guy or two guys consistently. 
And then that one or two guy would would get beat, and then it would kind of blow up the whole play. And it was a lot of times it was just technical problems, and, and that's concerning. And then the other thing is they just they struggle to pick up the basic stunts, and that's something that we saw in 2018 and 2019 that was problematic for an even more veteran offensive line. So they're going to have to do a lot of um, a, a a lot of film work and and figure out a plan. To, to make some major changes when we get to the fall because I, I'm now starting to get a little bit concerned about the line. And I said I wasn't going to during the spring because we expect them to not play well, but but I was I, w- I was a little concerned by what I saw in that regards today. I mean, you look at the blue team, you know, they ran 24 times for 38 yards, had minus 30 yards negative in, in rushing. Part of that was on a on a muffed snap. Uh they're they're the 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 backup center situation is a mess. Dylan Gibbons is not a center. I don't know who the backup center is going to be, but it's not. It can't be Dylan Gibbons. He wasn't very good at snapping in the in um, uh, the videos we saw a lot of off snaps. The snap he missed of Drew Pine today was just the the one where we went for the negative yards was just it wasn't even close. I just don't think he's a center. Uh, and you know maybe he gets better in this off season. Sure, everybody can get better, but that's that's a major problem right now. They're going to have to be in a situation where they're they're going to have to move Jared Patterson back to center if something happens to Zeke Carell. I thought Zeke Carell played well. A couple of times he got knocked back, but he held his own. I thought for the most part did a really nice job with help. He was one of the few offensive linemen that I thought did a good job of coming over and helping uh, when he wasn't being engaged. I thought he did a nice job of keeping his eyes up and his head on the swivel and looking for you know looking for for twists and looking for stunts and looking for late blitzers or looking for guys who get beat. I thought he did a nice job there. I thought Blake Fisher was a little up and down. I, I thought his awareness is something that really impressed me. For a freshman, his awareness is good, and we saw it on that play where where he picked up that corner blitz. I think he was he's at the point now where he kind of hit that freshman wall, and he just looked a little tired, which you kind of expect from freshmen this time of the year, uh, especially guys as big as Blake. But I thought overall he did a nice job. At times he lunges too much. We saw a lot of that today from a lot of different linemen. And and that's one of the concern. That's one of the knocks I had on Robert Hainsey and Liam Eikenberg is that they lunge a little bit too much. So it, I think it's just something that it's just not being either taught. It's not being taught out of them enough. I thought Blake Tosh Baker really struggled today. And it there it's a lot of it's uh, it's mostly technical and a little bit of it is he's just not strong enough yet. He's not strong enough to where if Liam Eikenberg got beat off the edge. These last couple of years, he was he was strong enough to where he could kind of still get his hands out and and knock guys back or ride him outside. Tosh just isn't strong enough for that yet, but he also his technique is is not good. A six eight guy that's that athletic should not struggle to get to the edge consistently, and he just consistently got beat to the edge. and And I understand that Notre Dame is a vertical pass set team, so essentially there's there's two types of pass sets. Uh, kind of making it as as simplified as possible. There's a vertical pass set where the offensive tackle just kind of comes straight back and then meets the guy on the edge. And then the others where you kind of work out at sort of like a, like a 45 ish degree angle and and try to, you know, you can invite yourself into double moves, but you're really trying to protect the edge that way. Notre Dame is a vertical pass set team, which I don't mind. I don't think it always fits real well with their pass concepts. However, uh, that that's kind of my only my only issue with that is I just I don't know if it meshes well with the overall protection scheme, but it is what it is. It's not going to change. 
but he would just get in those vertical passes with these really small choppy steps. And you have to, you, you know, you can't make these big strides when you get out to the outside. Cause then you're just going to, a, you're going to get hit while you're in mid stride, which means you have no base. Or as you get out, you're going to then be vulnerable to double moves. But because you're making those big strides, you're not going to be able to plant your feet and work back inside. So, But you have to have that nice kick slide where you're getting some depth, on, especially on your first couple steps. But his first couple steps seemed to always be real choppy. And then as a defender got near to him, he would kind of stop his feet and then try to lean out and lunge. And he was just getting beat out. I mean, simple edge rushes were beating him outside. And and Blake's too talented for that to be happening. It's a it, a lot of it is technique, and, and we saw that from a lot. I mean, Michael Carmody had that problem at times. Blake had that problem at times. The difference between Carmody Fisher and then Blake, uh, excuse me, Carmody and Baker, and then Blake Fisher is Blake Fisher has. I'd say I've only seen one Notre Dame offensive lineman. I've been covering this team in person since 2010. I've seen one offensive lineman that had stronger hands as a freshman than Blake Fisher. And that's Quentin Nelson. That is it. And and what I mean by that is he's got such heavy hands that if he gets beat outside, if he can strike you, he's knocking you off course. Blake's not, or Tosh isn't strong enough to do that yet. So, so he, I was very disappointed by, by, uh, by what we saw there. So, but um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So, uh, Let's see here. Any any questions? Uh, yes, before we move on to the defense. All right, Gregory Rohrbacher, or Jeffrey Rohrbacher, don't forget to like and subscribe. Correct, I appreciate that. Okay, let's see if there's any other questions. Um, Troy McIntosh, do you think they would hide Jordan Johnson or, or purposely avoiding teams from getting film on him? I would hope not. I, I, I mean, knowing Kelly, nothing like that would surprise me, but I would hope not. I don't think that was it. I think it was just the quarterbacks. I mean, he was working with Pine and Buckner, and they just weren't reading the backside. Uh, just that They were never looking there. I mean, Cone threw to the W several times to Joe Wilkins, but the, the young quarterbacks just never made it back to him. It looked to me that when he was in the game, Troy, that most of their reads were field reads, which meant they weren't – and he was in the boundary a lot, so they just weren't they weren't looking there. And then a couple times that – that Buckner read to the boundary, they, it was like the play that I showed earlier. It was the tight end that was backside. So I think that's more of it. I hope you. I hope what you're saying is accurate because then that would make me feel a little bit more like, hey, they're going to get him going. But uh, yeah, that um, that uh, that that's a little bit that's a little bit uh, concerning. Now I don't think that was targeting. I, I'd have to go back and watch the replay again, but I didn't think that was targeting. Um, see here. See if we got any other any other comments. Okay. Justin Knox is the red zone efficiency on offense looked terrible. Obviously, Mayer will be a focal point, so without him, hard to grade. But the young tight end paired really well. Uh, still, uh, still concerned. Yeah, it's a concern. I'm not. I'm not overly concerned about it because I think again we didn't see the first team offense together going against it. I thought that. I thought that there were some concepts I liked. The play that that uh, Joe Wilkins got broken up. That was an RPO. And he read it, pulled it, and threw it. And Litchfield and Ashvon made a great play on it. I mean, that, that's going to happen sometimes. I thought that the defense made plays in the red zone more than just the offense being bad. Number one, pass rushes. But that one sequence where the play after Litchfield drilled uh, uh, drilled Joe Wilkins, 
Notre Dame got a, a receiver out in the flats, and Tariq Bracey made a great open field tackle on a tight end uh, to stop it. I mean, that that was just a really good individual play by the defense. So I think that was part of it, too, is the defense played really well. But when when your offensive line is not giving you time, it makes it really tough in the red zone because the 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 field that you have to work with is condensed. You know, you can't run certain concepts because the field is condensed. Which means when the field is condensed, that means you have there's less guys you have to send into coverage. Which means more guys you can bring towards the line of scrimmage to take away quick throws, but also then the pressure. And that combination with a, an offensive line that that struggled, uh, Justin is is was the issue. Now, I'm not saying I'm confident in the red zone offense. It's just I'm not going to read too much from it today because you know, again, it wasn't the first team was together going against the first team defense. Uh, and, and some of those plays, some of those plays to me were just they're good plays by the defense. And, and to me, that was a that was a big part of it. Let's see here if we have any. Um, yeah, t- t- Tyler Buckner needs a red zone package. If, as long as they're comfortable with his reads and, and they they give him something small, um, then yeah, I, I think man, that's what we Tommy. That's what we've talked about for a while is some kind of co- some kind of package, whether it's short yardage, red zone, you know, let him uh, let him. You know, Get in and just every fourth series every now and then, especially against like teams like Toledo and and Purdue and teams like that, I, I really think uh, would would be huge. Okay, let's see here. Okay, Four Horsemen says I feel like there's a lot of talk about Davis, Wilkins, Lindsey, and eventually Austin getting the majority of snaps. How much do we think will Keys will end up on the field percentage wise? I don't know about percentage wise. I'm hoping that we see a lot more of a rotation this year than we did in the past year. Uh, you know, and you say who who will be will he be paired with the most? I I don't really want to get. I I don't think they should get into like pairing guys. I think it should be a situation where you've just got a steady rotation at certain positions. And I think for Keys, because he's such a good route runner, I think there's situations where he can be paired with Avery Davis. To your question about you know who be paired with, right now technically he's Avery Davis's backup. Well, I think a case could be made that Notre Dame's two best pure receivers are Lawrence Keyes and Avery Davis. And so to me, and, and look, Avery Davis or Lawrence Keyes has over twice as many career receptions as Kevin Austin, right? I mean, he, has thir- he has actually more than that, more than double. He had 13 catches in 2019 alone. Kevin Austin has six career receptions. So I, I think Lawrence Keyes needs to be part of this. He had a great spring. We saw him making plays in every single blue practice we saw. He was making plays and he made a ton of plays today. So he needs to be part of that rotation. And, and I'd like to see them go five, six deep every game. I, I would. It just it needs to happen. And sometimes that means you've got Lawrence Keyes and Avery Davis rotating in and out. And sometimes that means you got them on the field together. And they have a unique group of skill players this year at receiver that I think should allow them to do more things where they're they're mixing their personnel. So it's not just the big guys. It's not the same guy at W, not the same guy at X, not the same guy at, at Z. Mix it up. Put them around and move them around and do those types of different things. Okay. Uh, Tom Freeman asks, what do we see more of in the fall, two tight ends or three receivers? I think we'll see a nice balance. I think we'll see more three receivers than we'll see two tight ends. I'll be willing to bet that. Because, look, let's say Kevin Bauman comes back and he's healthy and and he's a good player and George Takis keeps doing what he's doing. I would still say that your third and fourth best receivers are still better than your second tight end. And I would say that your, your number two running back is better than your second tight end and your, 
third receiver or fourth receiver. I mean, I just think that we're, we're going to see, to me, more spread stuff this year. And also, Coach Reese talked about this in his last press conference. He talked about, you know, we want to be able to spread the field. Well, you can do that in your tight end packages, but I think it's easier to do that when you have more receivers on the field. So I just think that spreading teams out in that regards, and then also what happens when you're in more 11 personnel, which is the three receiver looks, you tend to get a better chance of getting nickel, more nickel. So maybe a linebacker comes off the field, which then allows Notre Dame's uh, offense to, to offensive line to not have to face the the bigger personnel groupings, which can put them in a spot. And it's more it's about protecting the offensive line. I was very encouraged. Uh, I was very encouraged by uh, Tommy Reese's comments last week, where he talked about he talked about protecting the line. It's it's obvious that he understands. Yeah, we're we're gonna have some issues with the offensive line this year. We have to schematically protect them. And what would be a foolish thing to do is just say, well, we got to coach them up, and we're gonna still run the same you know, same pass concepts, and we're going to still ask them to play like Hainsey and Eichenberg, and if they fail, it's just like, well, we can't run our offense because they're not doing well. It sounds like, to me, Coach Reese understands we have to be able to game plan and protect them, and we saw some of that today. We saw quick throws. We saw screens. We saw empty protections, which allows you to attack the blitz. Uh, we saw moving the pocket. We saw bootlegs. We saw half rolls. Uh, we saw a lot of different things today that say that is an offensive coach that understands that he has to protect his offensive line. He can't just say, oh, well, we need you to play like the group that we've had the last couple of years. So that is the that is the offense. Let's talk about the defense. Uh, defense, I thought, had a good day today. I thought there were some areas that were, were really good. And, and like everything, there's going to be some things you have to clean up. But they were pretty vanilla today, I thought, except on third down. I thought they got aggressive on third down. But... You know, they mixed up coverages and, and they brought some corner fires. But for what I've seen from Mark from Marcus Freeman in the past, they were pretty basic. I don't say vanilla. I think it's a bad way of explaining it, in my opinion. I apologize. It, it was just more – it was a more of a reduced package. We didn't see a lot of the heavy stunts and the heavy twists and the, and the linebacker crashes on first and second. Now, we didn't see a ton of that today. We saw some of it, but not a ton. Uh, we didn't see as much – mixing up of coverages although I, again we saw some different things there were there were things we saw on the back end there was some cover one but they did a lot of things with two safeties at the snap and they would invert at the snap sometimes they'd play cover four or they'd play like a cover two look with two the both safety staying back but more often than not one of those safeties would invert and would fill the alley he would come down and, and, and rob one of the sides and it was mixed up who did that so I I thought there was some good stuff there but overall it wasn't a super complex a, a scheme. It was just about, you know, lining up and letting guys fly to the football, and, and I thought that was a good thing to see. So, uh, we we didn't see a ton of aggressiveness. We saw, uh, I, you know, I was encouraged by some of the things that we saw from the standpoint of um, guys attacking downhill. I thought they were more aggressive with how they played than they were aggressive with how they schemed. If that makes sense, and, and so I did. I did like what I saw from them. I thought there was a lot less thinking today. I thought there was a lot less kind of read and reacting. It was just go attack. Now that's, that's going to get you. That's means you're going to give up some big play sometimes, right? They're going to, they're going to give up some big plays. There's no doubt about it. That's just the nature of this defense. But if your defensive line can dominate, then those are going to be limited. But then as we saw today, there was a couple times they got big plays that got them into the red zone, but then the defense made those stops and, and, and I expect this defense to be really good in the red zone because 
you can be aggressive and not have to worry about throwing it, them throwing it over your head because they're not going to be able to throw it over your head because it's a reduced field. So I, I think that um, I think that uh, is something that 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 I like about this defense structurally. So let's get into the specifics. Defensive line wise, I thought Jason Adamiola had a good game. He had some good pre- pressures. Did well against the run. Kurt Heinisch was Kurt Heinisch. You're going to like that. I thought that uh, Justin Adamiola had a nice game. He had a late sack. Uh, guy got pressured out. I think it was Foskey pressured a guy outside. I have to go back and look at it because there were so many different pressures that they kind of all blend together. But there were uh, – I just thought that they were aggressive. I thought a guy that re- – I thought Aiden Kayana Ana, at times he stops his feet when he engages. He kind of plays like a two-gapper. But I thought he also had some really good moments. He's very strong. I mean, he he gives you a, a skill set that no, nobody else has. It means he's 300-plus and physical. You could not move him. And there were times where they were double-teaming him, and he just kind of leaned his feet back and anchored and was like, I'm not going anywhere. And, yeah, he didn't get to the ball, but those two guys had to stay on him, and and they had to attack, you know, allowed the linebackers to attack. So I liked what I saw from Aiden today. Uh, and he's a big boy, and he played on both squads. He played on the blue team and the white team. So he got a lot of work today. I was really happy with what I saw from him. Howard Cross out a solid day. I thought Riley Mills had a couple snaps here and there where he where he got beat, but I thought he also had some a lot of wins today. Uh, I thought Isaiah Foskey had a solid day today, and I thought Jordan Patelho absolutely destroyed uh, Tosh Baker on a relatively consistent basis. The one play, and I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. He just exploded off the edge, and they were just basic speed rushes. But he exploded off the edge, and there was a play where he just he he beat Tosh so bad, and he pushed Drew Pine in the back. He would have crushed Drew Pine and probably knocked the ball out. It's how that's how much momentum he had off the edge and how clean he was. I thought he was very impressive in in, in his time today. But I just thought what I liked about the D line is I didn't feel like I didn't feel like anybody had. Uh, just uh, other than obviously, like we talked about, I thought that that Batelho had some really excellent pass rushes, but I didn't really feel like anybody had just like this dominant, just destroyed, you know, people day. I, I never felt like that was the case. I felt it was more about, you know, I thought it was more about just um, the the as a group, they just they were really effective. You know, that was the thing. I just, I thought it was a overall just a really good disruptive day by the defensive line. And so that was good to see. Linebacker wise, I thought they were very aggressive. I thought when Bo Bauer could stay in the box, I thought he was very effective. Uh, he had a very good day. I thought that there were times when he got in space, either in zone coverage, that he didn't get where he needed to get to. Uh, or he would just got outran to the perimeter by Kyron Williams, which again is going to happen because he's just you know Kyron Williams is going to do that to a lot of people. But I thought you know I thought he was a really active downhill thumper kind of guy today uh, in in the red zone, which which I like to see. That was a positive for me. Uh, I, I thought that uh, I thought that Drew Pine, or excuse me, Drew Pine, Jack Kaiser. Uh, I, I was very impressed with what I saw from Jack Kaiser today. I thought he looked fast. I don't know what y'all think, but I, his speed for me was really, really impressive. Um, I, I, I was very encouraged by what I saw from him. Uh, I, I think that um, uh, J.D. Bertrand, I thought, played really well. I, I liked what I saw from J.D. Bertrand. Isaiah Pryor looked looked quick, but I think he 
he struggles a little bit, uh, in my opinion, in in coverage. He just he loses guys a little bit too much, in my opinion. I think that's something that has to get that has to get worked on. Uh, I want to see him, you know, I want to see him just do better. I, I, that that's my big thing is I, I want to see him uh, just be more uh, just decisive in coverage and just and just see guys. You know, I just felt like there were too many times in in this game where he just he would he would see a guy and hit a guy and then all of a sudden he just let the guy go. And that's something that that as a rover, as a fifth year senior rover, uh, you have to do. And and you know, and right now to me, there there was a big gap in today, in my opinion, between how he played and how um, and, and how Jack Kaiser played. And, and there's a comment down here by Kay Grant. He said Jack Kaiser will have a breakout season, in my opinion. I could see that he was he was he was good today, that's for sure. But there there's a huge gap between between Isaiah Pryor and Jack Kaiser right now. So that's that's you know that's something that we're gonna we're gonna have to see. But I I thought that um, you know I, I thought that when when you look at um, when you look at uh, Paul Mawala coming back in the fall, that's a situation where perhaps then uh, we could see we could see a little bit more of a rotation there. But but right now there's a, there's a big difference between between those players in my opinion. So uh, we'll see how that projects. I'm thinking linebacker. Uh, oh, did you, did everybody notice Osidek Wanu today was playing uh, Viper? He wasn't even playing linebacker. He's playing Viper. I don't know if that's a permanent thing. I hadn't heard anything about that. Uh, you know, I wonder if that's kind of like a pass rushing role. I'm not quite sure how that's going to be, but uh, um, he was playing Viper today. He had a couple nice uh, set, set the edge situations in, in the game where he was, he came up and used his, He's got really long arms, but he uses long arms. He anchored very well, took on edge blockers, and, and really forced the runs back inside. So I thought that was uh, um, that was good, uh, Tommy. I, I thought that uh, I, I thought that uh, Maris was good today. I, I didn't I didn't get a chance to key on him a ton. The few times I saw him, I thought he was very aggressive coming downhill, very active, uh, really attacked the football effectively. So I mean, I liked what I saw from him. But I just felt like um, with, with Maris, it's just I didn't see enough of him to 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 really say, yeah, he he was he was great or or, or anything. I just I'd have to I'd have to go back and watch him more. So let's see here. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to find that play because so here's the funny thing that happened, and I and I have to go back and find it. But when when the when Justin Walters, there's people talking about the Justin Walters play. Uh, the Justin Walters interception, I didn't see it. So I'm, I'm trying to find it now. But so what happened was when uh, when that play was going on was right after Ian Book had got drafted. And so uh, Vince had a doubleheader today, uh, which I we had t- told everybody about. But um, so he couldn't he couldn't post like draft stories for me today. So it was just kind of I was trying to do do double double duty. So I actually just now pulled up the play. Uh, but I thought that, uh, so I was like, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to post that Ian book story when he got drafted by the saints. And then I look up and, and the, the gold team was back on the ball. So I just watched the play. Now that's a ball that drew pine has to get outside. That's a great job by Justin Walters of, of reading that route, undercutting it, and then jumping in front of the ball. He seems to have had a good spring. He showed up on a lot of different clips this spring. Uh, made a lot of plays and and performed well. Jordan Schreiber asks, does Jordan Patel have a legitimate shot of winning Viper over Isaiah Foskey? 
can they play at the same time? They're dominant. I, I don't think he would win the job over Foskey because I think Foskey's the better all-around player. I think they're both going to play a bunch. I I think it's going to be a lot like 2018 when we had Julian Aguar and Dalen Hayes. You know, obviously Julian Aguar was the starter after what game one or two, but they both played a ton of snaps. And then there was a lot of times they were on the field together. I think that 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 Jordan can play off ball, so there's times where you can go three down with Isaiah on the field. We talked about this. Vince and I talked about this in um, was it Friday's podcast, where the, there's scenarios where Notre Dame could go with a three-three look and have three defensive ends on the field together. So you'd have two ends outside, you'd have a nose or a D tackle inside, and then you'd have Bortelho playing off ball because I think he could play some linebacker. So I think there's times Jordan where we're going to see those two guys together and and. Just and just like we saw with Dalen Hayes and and Julian Wara, there were plenty of times in 2018 that especially that we saw those two guys on the field together, and I think that we'll see that again today. Secondary wise, I don't know much how I don't know how much y'all got to see from the secondary, but I thought, like I said earlier, I thought NBC did a good job of showing a, a wider angle so you could see more. Of the secondary, I thought that uh, I thought KJ Wallace had a nice day on the back end. They didn't test Houston Griffith a whole lot. He had a couple plays where he was in good position, getting over top and forcing the the quarterbacks to go somewhere else. He'd had a nice job. I thought KJ had a KJ Wallace had a solid game. He I thought he got a little too handsy on that pass breakup early. I thought that could have been flagged. I thought he was a little bit too aggressive there. Got there just a little bit too early, but I liked the aggressiveness. You just got to harness a little bit. Justin Walters made that great play. I just pulled that up and saw it. That was a heck of a play uh, by him on that, on that interception. I thought Litchfield Ashevon played a nice game today. I thought that he is not a great cover guy. That's just the thing. He, he's not a real rangy guy playing off the ball, but if you can get him to a situation as we saw today where he can play downhill, that's where his, that's his sweet spot. And we saw it today. He delivered a nice hit on Joe Wilkins. He had a nice open field tackle. I thought he did a good job of, of coming down and taking away crossing routes. I thought the safeties as a whole did a pretty good job of that against some of the drag routes. When guys were getting open today, it was either the linebackers not getting depth and getting underneath some drags, or it was a situation where Notre Dame just schemed well. And there was just they just flooded certain zones and they took everybody out and then brought somebody into that zone and 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 replace them. So I thought there's some I thought there's some good battles today back and forth between the coordinators where you know the defensive coordinator was able to get away with not get away with a lot but have a lot of success based on you know, his guys just were able to dominate control the line of scrimmage. I thought on the other side coach Reese had some situations where schematically I felt like um I felt like he did a really nice job of of designing things to attack this defense and and create some openings. So I thought there's some good battles there. At corner, I thought a lot of the corners played well. Clarence Lewis had a solid day. I thought Tariq Bracey played very effectively. Cam Hart got beat on that first play by Joe Wilkins. He was in good position. He just has to play the ball better. Uh, but the rest of the game, I thought Cam Hart was really good. I thought I was really surprised by just how how well and easily he transitions in coverage. Uh, he can change direction very effectively. I was impressed with how how he got. You know, all corners get a little grabby, but he wasn't reaching and grabbing. And when you're as long as he is, you're going to be effective doing that. I thought Cam Hart played really well. I thought Ramon Henderson had a solid game. He was good at times, bad at times. His technique still needs a ton of work. A guy that that was a pleasant surprise for me, someone that I haven't heard anything about, and someone who I did not like at all in, in, on film, was I thought Caleb Offord had a nice day today. 
I thought he was good playing off coverage when he doesn't have to really flip his hips. I think he's incredibly long, and he's they're they're putting him in position to use that length effectively. So I was very impressed with what I saw from Caleb Offer today. But I, I thought overall, I thought the corners played good football. If you look at where they got beat a lot, they're getting beat over the middle a lot. That's not on the corners in a lot of those instances. A lot of those times it was linebackers not getting depth. It was a good scheme by the offense or it was a safety getting beaten. Other times it's just the quarterbacks had to make had to make pretty good throws. So look, this is the thing about a spring game. If it's a good play by the offense, it means somebody on defense is getting beat. If it's a great play by the defense, it means somebody on offense is getting beat. Uh, so it just, you know, it's, it's just kind of how it goes. And you don't want one side of the ball completely dominating all the time because that usually means the other side of the ball is just not that good. Uh, Jeffrey Rohrbacher, uh, Houston Griffith, I thought, played solid football. Thought he's where he needed to be. They didn't challenge him a whole lot. He did a nice job getting over top in coverages. Uh, I thought that he did a nice job of of just, again, being in position, cutting off some crossing routes, you know, beating him to the spot, forcing the quarterback to go somewhere else. I thought he played good football. I thought DJ Brown had a really nice tackle on an early bubble screen. He just flew downhill and, and went over top, and Tariq Bracey did a nice job blowing it up. I think the corners, where the cor- where the younger corners like Kate Ramon Henderson and Caleb Offer and those guys got to get better is taking on the run. I think there were times when then they got thumped a little bit, uh, but they won their fair share of battles too. This is not as good of a blocking receiver group as what we've seen in the past. So that's what I saw from today's game. So we're about an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, I, I was pleased with what I saw. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the offensive line. I think the quarterback position was about what I expected it to be. I thought they all played solid football. They had some plays that you look at and say, yep, you got to do a better job there. But overall, I, th- I thought they were they, they they played good football. So I'm going to go through here and, and, and find some questions, answer some questions for you. If you have some questions that you want me to answer before we check out of here, just leave them down there now, and I will, uh, I will get to them. Let's see here. Kay Grant, uh, here we go. Which player or position group impressed you the most? I know it's a spring game, so you can't take away take away a lot from it. I think you know there's things we can learn about it. I just feel like to, to your point, I just think sometimes people make too many definitive decisions based on a spring. I mean, how long till people said, "Well, Deshaun Kaiser can't play based on what he did in a spring game"? And there's Notre Dame fans who still think Phil Jerkovic sucks because he went like 16 of 27 in a blue gold game where he was on the second-team offense going against the first-team defense. It's just you need to avoid those sweeping conclusions on what happens in April and, and now May. But I still think there's things we can we can glean from it. I, I was I was really pleased with the cornerback position today, and, and part of it is because – now this is where I could end up being really wrong is I like the receiver court at Notre Dame. I think there's a lot of talent there. And so they're going to make their plays. They're going to make their fair share of plays because I think they're talented. But I also thought the corners really held their own in a lot of instances today. So either the receivers aren't as good as I thought or the corners are, are, are coming along. And based on what I've been told about how the spring went when the line was removed and it was seven on seven, the offense won a lot of battles because, there again, there was no pass rush. So the, the offensive line was negated. And the receivers and tight ends made a ton of plays. I thought the secondary battled well today. That was a positive. Uh, offensively, I mean, it's the positions we know. Running back is loaded. I'm confident where they are at quarterback. Linebacker still a work in progress from, a, especially in pass coverage. But I love the activity. I love the physicality. I thought Shane Simon looked better. It's a lot of athleticism there. And uh, you know, we didn't see Drew White today. 
Paul Moala was out. So, I mean, they, I thought they looked pretty solid without having two of their, you know, two guys that are going to play for him. I thought Shane Simon had some moments where he still has to improve on getting off blocks and make, being more decisive, but I thought he played a little bit looser today. And then, of course, he had that great, great pick. Um, so, you know, I thought that was really good. Tom Freeman says, seems like Simon is going to be a big beneficiary of Freeman's defense. Who else would you put in that same category? Well, he still needs to keep getting better. I don't think Batelho is necessarily going to be a beneficiary of Freeman's defense because I think Batelho would have been good in Clark Lee's defense as well, playing a kind of a Julian Aguara role. I think a guy that Houston Griffith is going to benefit from it. I think Jason Adamiola is going to benefit from it. Oh, did I talk about – I don't think I talked about Myron Tungvaloa Mosa. Goodness gracious, I was impressed by him today. I thought he was very good. He has definitely slimmed down. I think you could all see it on the screen. He is definitely in better shape. His quickness off the edge in the in pass rushing was impressive, independent of, yes, he was going against offensive linemen that were struggling, but I loved his quickness off the ball. I thought he was really good. I thought he could be a really good run defender as a strong side end, but today he was very disruptive in the pass and against the run. I was very, very impressed by him. I think he's a guy that will benefit from the scheme change, but also the position change. I think he'll benefit from as well. So those are some guys off the top. I think Cam Hart will benefit from it because there's a lot more man. He can just go cover. He doesn't have to think a lot, so just focus on getting the the technique down and those types of things, and I think that you'll be okay. Okay, Brandon says, uh, walk-on player of the day, Salerno or Albano. Uh, I thought the kid, the kid that came in and played running back late. Let me see who that was. I thought looked pretty good. Uh, look, here's the thing about the walk-ons. This is kind of funny. You know, they're guys that people say, oh, you know, can't really play. Was that Albano that was playing running back today? I thought it was the Ketterer kid. No, it was okay. They all kind of look the same. Yeah, Albano, he had a couple really nice runs today. See, Salerno, did he two catches for 25 yards? I don't know. They both did really good. I like it. But these these walk-ons, what's funny is I would have, at the D3 level, I would have recruited these kids, and they'd have been like some of our better recruits. These kids are really good high school football players. It's just they don't have the size and the athleticism necessarily to, to compete. But I, I love their toughness. And, you know, Notre Dame's been doing this all the way back to the Charlie Weiss era when I started really covering the team, like from afar. You know, what was the kid's name? The kid that always run down on, on punt team and make a lot of tackles. They, you know, they've always had guys like that. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch those guys play and perform. See if we got any more questions. Ooh, let's see here. All right, here we go. Uh, Keys had 14 targets, but only five catches. Pine and Buckner definitely were looking it to him first. Why do you think so few catches? Lots of potential, just a bad game. Are you talking about bad game for Keys? Because I thought Keys played great. I thought there were three times on those targets where the quarterback threw way short. Uh, there was one play he was open on an outcut that Tyler Buckner waited a little too long, kind of had a guy in his face and just underthrew him by five yards. Uh, there were two other times where one of the times he got – call it a target. I don't think the ball was actually going to him. I think Buckner just under threw an outside route. But uh, no, I think his production today was very good. All but maybe one of the completions were incompletions were not on him. It's just guys missing. We saw that interception. That ball just should have been thrown there. So I think a couple times maybe they forced it to him, but I don't think I don't think I think Keys played very, very well today. Okay. So, John, I don't think we saw a ton of three three five today. So, you know, to me, I, I think we saw mostly, from from my observations, we saw mostly four down looks. 
I think the three three five. I I like how he uses it. I think it's something that they're going to use as a as a matchup. But I don't know if it's something that we're going to see as the base defense against most opponents. But but I like it. I think that they can get to it out of their four two five personnel, even four three personnel. Uh, but but you know I, I I think it's just the three three five isn't necessarily what's so different. It's the philosophy behind it, which is a more aggressive, you know, more attacking type of group, a more of a you know less less about schemes and fits and things like that. Like Marcus Freeman had a quote. He says, it's not about football; It's about football. And I, I thought that really, really sums it up to, to what a lot of, a lot of older school type of players. Uh, I don't see this. Uh, this is the, so seems number seven size Isaiah Foskey had a cloaking power at times last year as he was unblocked on most of his big plays. I think number 17 will outplay number seven this year. I, I, I don't, I mean, so now it's like Isaiah Foskey's, just like being dismissed because he didn't have five sacks in the spring game. Uh, I, I hope that's not what you're saying, but it, I, I'm, I had a couple of people say that to me in text too. Look, Jordan Patelho was playing against a different tackle than Isaiah Foskey was playing against today. Isaiah Foskey was going against Blake Fisher. He's better than Tosh Baker is right now. Uh, Jordan Patelho is a very good football player. Isaiah Foskey is a very good football player. They will both play. They will both be very good. They will both help Notre Dame out a lot this year. There may be times where Jordan Patelho plays more. There will be a lot of times where Jordan, Isaiah Fossey is going to play more. They're both going to play, and they're both going to be productive. And I would disagree with the notion, I think, a couple plays early, but some of those plays early where he got unblocked, he was unblocked because he was the backside end, but he read the bootleg because he's so, they're thinking he's going to bite down and he's going to not see the bootleg, but he made a great play to get back outside and make the play. So they purposely left him unblocked because there aren't many defensive ends who are athletic enough to revert like that and bring a guy down in the backfield. So uh, that's kind of how I how I see that. <laughs> Jeffrey Rohrbacher, I don't see that he stand has a job any way that we can start a write-in campaign to bring him back. I mean, you can if you want. Brian Kelly's not going to listen to you. Brian Kelly didn't listen to his offensive coordinator and his captains when he hired when he replaced Harry Heastan the last time. He's not going to listen to fans about it. It's just think it's interesting that the guy that was the offensive line coach for Tampa Bay you know, the team that just won a Super Bowl and just drafted Robert Hainsey is uh, the guy that was the favorite amongst non-Brian Kelly people to be hired uh, to replace Harry Heastan, but now he's just having to settle for coaching in the NFL and winning a Super Bowl. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Brands, which freshman set you most? Who was the freshman player of the game? I, I don't know if there was one freshman of the game. I thought that, you know, Blake Fisher did some nice things. Buckner had some nice plays, also had – a turnover. I thought Justin Walters had a nice game. I'm trying to think here. I thought Ryan Barnes and Philip Riley both played well. I thought they were both effective. I, I really liked Ryan Barnes' physicality for such a skinny kid and a kid that missed missed some time. Uh, you know, I thought that uh, I'm trying to think true freshman too. So uh, I didn't see much of Devin Upow. Will Schweitzer was hurt. Gabriel Rubio was hurt. Uh, let's see here. Lorenzo Styles had a nice game and. Um, Let's see here. Say, Sid, what are you talking about? Are you talking about that bat signal that uh, Mike Elson just put out? Has that gone public yet? So I'm not seeing that just yet. But, uh, yeah, I think we can see a few things coming up here soon. So anyway, so that is going to be it for today's show. Maybe we might be back here soon talking about another one. Um, let's see here. Oh, here we go. Uh, 
Don't mean to hijack the chat. Okay, there it is. But the bat signal has come out. Yes, the bat signal has come out. If it's who I think it is, it's going to be defense and people are going to be pretty happy. And we may be back. If there is a commitment today or tomorrow, a lot of times Notre Dame will put the back signal out the day before a commitment happens. But if it's if it's who I if it well, actually, there's three people that it could be. I'm not sure of the timing of it, but if it's who I think it is and who I was expecting to commit this week, it'll be defense. So we'll see how that goes. But there's also a couple offensive players who could commit very soon as well. So should be interesting. And if we see that come out, just know that we'll be doing a, a, a live chat. I have three commit stories written right now. Well, four actually, but three that I feel good about happening somewhat soon. So we'll see if those things happening. But if there's a commit, make sure you look for the chat because we will be back to talk about it. But hey, everybody, thanks so much for spending some of your Saturday evening with me and talking football with me. I appreciate it. We'll be back on Monday unless there is a commitment between now and then um, to talk about things. We'll get Vince's impression of the blue gold game. Uh, we will get, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some a lot more recruiting talk coming up. We're going to we can talk about the draft. If you guys want to talk about the draft, we can get into that on Monday uh and and go there and talk about I'm, I'm very pleased i mean thought a couple guys fell later than i thought but i think there's been a lot eicherberg going to the dolphins was a great fit uh no brandon that's not who it's going to be uh but uh i thought that uh, jeremiah didn't go where you want him to but but ended up going to a great place i thought that ian book could not have gone to a better franchise for him uh to go to going to the saints i thought that robert hainsey is going to a perfect place they're going to give him basically a year to settle in at center, essentially, or center and guard. And I think one of their center, I believe, Jensen, is a, in the last year of his contract. So uh, great place for him. I thought that uh, Tommy Tremble went to a place that's perfect for him. Uh, really, really excited about uh, about where guys got placed. And, if, and, you know, the Broncos didn't draft any, any Notre Dame guys, but I was still pretty happy with the Broncos draft for the most part. So. I'm going to go try to get caught up here. There haven't been any Notre Dame guys coming up recently, but eight guys getting picked so far is is pretty good. Pretty good deal for Notre Dame. So everybody have a great. Uh, Tommy Leonard says, "Here's a we'll do a draft question real quick. Are you surprised Book went in round four? Not after last night. So I sent out a tweet, Tommy, last night that when, and we talked about this in the Thursday draft preview. I said if there is a run on quarterbacks in the second third round, that we we will then see um, book get pushed up, maybe to the fourth or fifth round. And then from 60, so Hein uh, Kyle Trask was the last pick of the third second round. And then two of the next three picks in the third round were quarterbacks. Kellen Mond went 66 to the Vikings, and then Davis Mills went 67 to uh, Houston. So like early third round, there were eight quarterbacks gone, by the the early of the third round, like 60-some picks in. There was no way they were going to go like four or five rounds and not draft Ian Book. So I felt when that happened last night, and I tweeted about it, that that would push Ian Book into the, the fourth or fifth round. So uh, I was I was a little I, – I was, I was surprised if you were to say, hey, based on his talent, you know, what, what should he be a fourth-round pick or production? Probably not. But it just made a lot of sense when you, when you consider how many quarterbacks went eighth. And I said before – I said, uh, I said, uh, did Skoranek? Yeah, Skoranek just got picked at number two forty nine. I don't have a clue what the Rams are doing with drafting receivers. They drafted a hundred forty eight pound wide receiver in the second round, and they just drafted Ben Skoranek in the seventh round. I don't have a clue what they're doing at wide receiver. Uh, very, very puzzling. But that's a very good year. They're one. They're one away from tying their best since night. Their best draft numbers since. Uh, 
since I think it was like 1994, I believe. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, everybody have a great rest of your day. Maybe we'll talk again soon. Curious to see uh, who this bat signal is going to be for. We'll have something on it here real quick. But everybody have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you all again very, very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.